Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is the weekly show where we talk about all things money and finance and where we give you information to help you make the best financial decisions possible. So if you want to buy your first home, you want to be better with money, you want to learn how to invest, where to begin, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe. I'm so thrilled to have you here. So without further ado, let's get going with this week's show. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. Hope you are well. Um, This week's episode is going to be slightly different because I don't have a guest lined up. However, I do want to take a little bit of time, maybe 20, 30 minutes, maybe even less, um, just to talk about something that is really important right now. So I guess it's no secret to anybody that we are fast coming out of the lockdown. Yes, there were little spikes here and there in Manchester and and some other places, and I think Spain now are picking up even more cases. But I think we finally got to the point where we're coming out the back end of this now, and there is a consensus that we need to carry on with life as it was prior to all of this happening. Now, with that being the case, we also know that uh, the furlough scheme is going to be coming to an end in October. And for many people, this presents a moment of anxiety, of stress, of real worry around what things look like in the coming days and months. And in my research to look at this specific topic for this episode, I did a bit of research and I'm I'm actually currently looking at a very, very long list of employers who have either announced that they are making redundancies or they are going to be putting at risk roles in their business. And you may be in that position right now where you are getting a letter to say, look, you either need to reapply for your for your job or you run the chance of being made redundant or are being made redundant. And if that is you, I can only imagine that you're stressed out right now, that you have uh, a whole host of just thoughts going through your mind and worries. And I wanted to spend some time in this episode to get us back to basics, to share some things that will help and to point you in the right direction to help you find um, some peace, some center in your path going forward. Now, if you've been following me, you will know that I've actually been impacted by this. I was made redundant from the role that I took in January. Uh, It almost feels like three months ago now. I think it's about three months ago. Um, However, with me, I've been able to really focus on conversation of money, this podcast, um, YouTube, which is where I'm posting most of my content and building out my coaching and my uh, course provision service that I provide. And this time for me has been a little bit of a blessing, but I've only been able to do that because I've been able to put certain things in place and I've had to make some really tough decisions. So in addition to kind of just giving you guys some tips. I'm going to kind of just share what I've done and hopefully you can find some comfort and some some light at the end of the tunnel in trying to see if you can apply this in your own life as well um, to see if it does give you some kind of workable solution that you can work towards. Now, clearly this isn't going to be perfect for everybody. This has worked specifically for me um, and it wasn't something that I managed to do just overnight. This only worked because there was a lot of stuff that I did in the preceding, you know, 12 or even 18 months, really, 
for me to be able to take the steps that I did, but it certainly put me in a better place. And what I'm trying to get, what I'm going to try and convey here is not that you should do exactly the same thing, but just give you a few ideas of some of the things that you should or need to address to get yourself in a position where you don't feel that weight of financial worry as much. The more you can alleviate, the more you can take off your shoulders, the better for you. Now, like I said, I've been doing a little bit of research in the run-up to this. Actually, the, I say research, I was reading articles, and the articles gave birth to this episode, if I'm completely honest. And the articles for me were actually quite worrying. And one of the ones that stuck out to me was that ACAS, which are the employee rights kind of like agency, they have seen the calls that they take from June to July increase three times over when it comes to redundancy. So there are a lot of people asking questions about their rights, what their entitlement might be when it comes to redundancy, so on and so forth. In fact, their numbers in June and July went from 12,000 calls to 33,000 calls. It's a lot of people worried about redundancy. When you have a look at the Citizens Advice Bureau, um, they've seen a surge of about a third of their calls being redundancy related. So this is clearly a really, really, really big thing. And as furlough comes to an end in October, there's even more pressure that is you know, being manifested in real life for renters, for people who haven't had the luxury of taking a mortgage repayment holiday because they don't own their home, but they've been renting from a landlord. And the government did a great thing in you know, introducing this, this rule that landlords couldn't just evict people because of what was going on. But that rule ends literally this month in a, in a couple of weeks' time. And it's rumoured that there are going to be 30,000 private evictions in the courts on August 24th. That is a lot of people. That is, that is a really, really scary, scary situation to be in. It's rumoured that there are 230,000 private renters who are behind on their rent right now. And these are the people that are going to be worried about being able to keep a roof over their head. So it's real. It really, really is. And I just need to say, guys, that if you know anybody, maybe not even if it's you, who is facing the situation, then please share this podcast with them. Because I think a lot of the stuff that I'm going to share with you on this uh, podcast will really, really help and give you some some food for thought in terms of helping you move forward. So with that being said, what are a couple of things that are important at this given time? Now, I know that if you've been following me on this podcast or you follow me on YouTube or on Instagram, you'll know that I talk about the basics quite a bit. Now, there is one thing that we have... Um, seen as a positive when it comes to um, the lockdown, if, they, if we can draw one positive. And that is the fact that people have been able to save a lot more money because there hasn't been anywhere to spend the money. Yes, you can still spend money on Amazon, so on and so forth. And it takes a little bit of control not to have done that. But many people have saved quite a bit of money. So a lot of people now have actually got some money saved up to basically give them that little bit of a cushion. And that is really, really important. If you've got that, you're a little bit ahead of the game here. However, if you're in a position where, you know, you haven't been able to do that, and even if you have been able to put some money aside, this first thing is going to be really, really important. And I, I'm not going to apologize for the fact that this is so basic and so fundamental 
that it's almost common sense. But when you're in the thick of this kind of, you know, stress and anxiety and worry, these simple things may not be abundantly apparent. Or maybe you just know you need to do it, but you're just not quite sure how you're going to do that. So the first thing is really just making sure that you are able to control and restrict what you've now got going out of your account. So if you're on furlough and it's 80% of pay, you need to try and retain as much of that as you possibly can. And this means perhaps making some really, really difficult decisions. And this is something that I've had to do myself when it comes to looking at my outgoings. So I've really, really had to tighten my belt. And that's taking some really, really hard decisions and actually doing something that many people will think is counterintuitive, but in my personal circumstance, it actually makes sense and made sense for me to actually do that. So look, first thing, budgeting. You need to try and restrict the money that you've got going out as much as you possibly can. And it means that if you need to cancel the Netflix subscription or the Spotify subscription or whatever else that you have that is not an essential, sit down, have a look at everything. And if you need to cut fat, cut those things first. If after you've cut those you know, mundane things first or seemingly mundane things first, then you might have to get into the more serious stuff. But hopefully by cutting some of the less important things, you'll free up a little bit of extra cash so that you haven't got that weight of a monthly burden. That was the, one of the big things that I really, really had to spend some time on in my circumstance. So what I've, what I've done in, with my personal finances, I have constricted and reduced my outgoings significantly. And I'm, when I say significantly, I mean by the tune of at least £900. I think the number was around about £950. And a big chunk of that was car payments, car finance. Now, do we need to talk about car finance? Because car finance and, and just cars in general are probably the worst investments you could ever make. Actually, they're not even investments. They're just a massive, massive, massive liability. And in my 15 years of working in financial services, I knew this fact, but because I was earning good money, it didn't really matter at the time. I could afford it. And this is the juncture that I got to in terms of, I don't no longer have that really nice income that I was that was enjoying before. And it really came to the point of, okay, I need to constrict down my payments. So one of the things that I had to do in doing so was basically pay off that car. And that took a chunk of cash out of my emergency fund in order to do that. But in the long run, it's better for me because now I know that I only need to find a certain amount of money, which is just under under £1,000, thankfully for, for me, in order for me to pay my mortgage and have everything else paid. But that was a conscious decision that I had to make. And it was a little bit of a painful one because it meant that I had to send off thousands and thousands of pounds to pay off the car because... For me, I need the car to do work, to still do business as I start to build a conversation of money. So whilst it was an allocation of cash to something else that reduced my emergency fund, it means that I now have a vehicle that I don't have to put fuel in because it's electric. I don't charge at home. I charge at the supercharger three miles down the road from me. I don't have to service it. I don't have to change oil. Um, I just put some new tires on there. So I'm pretty much good for the next 12 months with this vehicle. So reducing your outgoings is extremely important. It might be really, really, really painful, guys, but if you are in this situation, then do make a conscious effort to be as honest with yourself as possible. Like, you know, 
the whole phrase of essential and non-essential, this is where you really need to categorize what is essential and what is not essential and cut out the things that are non-essential if you find yourself in this position. And remember, it's only going to be for a short period of time. This, this situation right here is not going to be one that is going to linger for the next one to two years. You know, before everything starts picking up and before you find another role to go into, that may only be six months. So it's only short term pain. In the scheme of the bigger picture, it is nothing. It is absolutely nothing. It's only going to be a short period of time. We'll look back on this and we'll actually probably laugh and remember the, all that time that we had off during the break, uh, during the lockdown, I should say. So that's my first tip for you. Just make sure that, you know, you're able to restrict and try and control as much as you've got, as much as possible in terms of what's going out of your account. And if you don't currently have a budget, I will leave something, a resource in the show notes where you can just download like a free budget planner where you can just list everything that you've got going out of your account and start to have a look at it honestly. One of the best things that I would say is, you know, get your bank statements for the last year or maybe even two years, right? And have a look at everything that's going out of your account because the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to miss the small things. And the small things might be uh, recurring uh, payments off your debit cards. The direct debits are easy to see. The standing orders are easy to see. The other things like the Spotify and the Netflix that come off your cards every single year are the ones that you don't spot. I do this every single year. And oftentimes when I review it, I will find a subscription that I paid for that I'm no longer using that might be 50, 40, 100 pounds that is a recurring payment because I paid for it all in one go. And you know, you have two or three of those things very, very quickly, you're saving yourself quite a lot of money. So have a look at your statement, go through your statements with a fine tooth comb and just list everything that's going out of your account and then just categorize them, as I said, into essential and non-essential bits and try to cut fat from there. The second thing is, you know, trying to make sure that you have as much of, a, of an emergency fund as you could possibly muster. Now, if you have been in a situation where you have been on furlough pay, you've not really spent a lot of money because things haven't been opening, you've got some cash behind you, fantastic. You've got yourself a place uh, to start from. And typically when you talk about an emergency fund, you really need between six to nine months. Three months really needs to be your minimum. If you are going to be receiving redundancy pay, if you've been in the business for a long period of time, then it's really important that you do some planning around what does that money need to be used for? What does it look like? Where are you going to place it? How long is it going to last you? You need to have a look at all of these things and ask these questions because it's really, really important. Now, if unfortunately you haven't been in a position where you've been able to save money through the lockdown, then it, again, step one, tip one is very, very important because the more that you can save gives you a pot of money that you don't necessarily need that you can then put aside for an emergency fund. And an emergency fund is simply a pot of money you use in case of emergencies like this where there may be a reduction or a loss of income in your household. It's there as your nest egg. Well, not your nest egg, but it's there as your safety net. Your safety net is probably the right, the right phrase to use. So try and make sure that you can put as much together in terms of emergency fund as you possibly can. Again, the rule is one to three months of your essential expenses. Now, what does essential expenses mean? It means your rent, your mortgage, your gas, your electric, your council tax bill, credit cards if you have them, right? things that you absolutely have to pay for. 
those are your essential bills. So when you're doing your budget, all you need to do is add up all of those things that will come to a number. You times that number by three, by six or by nine. And that is how much you need in an emergency fund. So please make sure that you pay attention to this. You know, and, you know, be honest with that number. The more you have, the more secure you're going to feel. And that sounds weird to say, but it really, really is true. The more you have in an account, the more secure you are going to feel, the less stress you're going to feel. And you're going to feel a lot less anxious with what might be happening in the coming weeks and months. The other thing that I think is really, really important as well is, you know, if you do have any heavy debts or financial commitments that are debts essentially, so credit cards, car finance, then have a look at how you can pay those things off, particularly if they are quite a heavy monthly commitment. So again, with me, I took the choice of actually paying off my car. My car was quite expensive. I don't want to tell you how much it is because even now, when I think back at how much I was paying, it makes me weep. And because I'm an impulsive spender, an impulsive buyer, I bought the car literally on impulse. And it's been one of those things that has haunted me for the last four, five years. I never should have bought the car if I had my sane hat on, but I did because I'm an impulsive purchaser. And that's, I know that about myself now. And now that I'm free of that, it really does give me a different perspective on how I'm going to allocate cash to things like cars going forward. And, you know, this is really, really important. It was a sacrifice that I had to make. It was a huge financial outlay that I had to make to get my, my income debt, my expenditure down, but it was an, it was a necessary one. And it means that now I don't have the burden of having to find in excess of £700 per month to cover a car payment. So if you have any financial commitments, credit cards, loans, uh, car payments, things like that, have a look at seeing if you have enough money to be able to reduce that payment or get rid of that payment altogether. Because the less you have as a requirement to go out, the less burden you're going to feel financially. Now, I do want to speak specifically to um, people who may be renting. So this is a big thing in inner city, if you're in London, if you're Birmingham, actually anywhere in the country, if you're behind on your rent, you're worried about what's going on with your landlord, then these things, you know, may be something that will make a difference for you. Now, if you are in a position where you've been behind on your rent, and you've agreed a payment plan with your with your landlord. You need to make sure that you have something in writing. Just don't take a gentleman's agreement, a verbal agreement, as being enough. You don't want to find yourself in a position where your landlord then turns around and says, well, actually, you know what, I didn't agree to that with my money earlier, and if you can't get it, then you need to get out, and I'm going to find someone else to come in. You need to make sure that that is in writing. So I would strongly encourage you, speak to your landlord, your letting agent, your house and association, whoever it is that you rent your property from, and try and get that payment agreement in writing. So everybody signs it, you've got a copy of it, your landlord's got a copy of it, your association's got a copy of it. Make sure that you actually have that in writing. Really, really, really important. Now, things like universal credits, I know. It's been an absolute shambles in terms of setting this up and 
you know, actually getting access to it, bit of a shambles. But any little help that you can get is only a good thing. So if you can apply for universal credit, then absolutely do that. The help that you will get will go to you. It's not going to be paid to your landlord. So you obviously, again, with your budgeting and making sure that you are able to, you know, funnel your money into the right position, you need to make sure, and I'm sure that you will, many people will, it's almost like common sense, it's just intuitive in us that you make sure that that money actually goes to your landlord um, to be able to pay off those debts. So those things are really, 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 really important. I think one of the big things is make sure that you have an open dialogue with your landlord, your letting agency, your house association. Don't stick your head in the sand. It's very, very easy to do that when things are overwhelming and it feels as though, you know, there's so much stress and you're worried about, you know, how you're going to get the new job you need to find and, and all this stuff. Try not to bury your head in the sand. Open dialogue is always a good thing. So try and have an open dialogue with your landlord, with your letting agency, with your housing association and ask for help. And this is, this is going to be my last, last big tip. Ask for help. Too often, too often in modern times, like where we are right now, people feel embarrassed to ask for help. Don't. You're not in this on your own. It's not your fault that you're here in this position right now or you're facing this, 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 this situation. It's not your fault. There are a multitude of other people around you experiencing exactly the same, only they may be experiencing it in a slightly different way. So ask for help. Don't be ashamed. No one's going to judge you, but ask for help. You know, they often say that a problem shared is a problem halved or even solved. This is really, really true. It's really important that you ask for help, you speak to people, and you have open dialogue with people. So those are just a couple of things that I wanted to kind of share on this week's um, episode of the podcast. It's not the usual, I know, but I think it's really, really important because I'm very, very cognizant of the fact that, you know, I've gone through this cycle, but I've gone through it very, very early on. And for me, I've always been quite conscious about how I uh, spend my money, certainly over the last three years, certainly over the last three years. And I've implemented a number of things into my personal finances where it's put me in good stead to deal with what's, what's come to me and what's arrived at my doorstep or did arrive on my doorstep three months ago and I've been able to cope. I still, even despite having paid off the car and that was in the region of about 20 odd thousand pounds or so, I've still got enough of an emergency fund behind me to give me that little bit of uh, peace of mind, that safety net to know that I'm gonna be okay for a good few months. And that hasn't happened just overnight, that's just been practice. And one thing that I would say is, you know, when you're looking at confronting this this problem or confronting this situation, it is going to be a work in progress. But the important thing is that when you sit down and you look at your essentials and your non-essentials, you need to tie onto that a goal. And if your goal is, okay, I need to get six months worth of, of an emergency fund, you may already be there if you've already saved some money. But if you're not, that goal needs to dictate the actions you take and how severe you are with that budgeting exercise in tip one. Really, really important. And you need to keep your eye on the ball. You really, really do need to keep your eye on the ball. Remember, whatever cuts you make, whatever sacrifices you make right now are only going to be short term. 
they're not going to be long-term. They're going to be short-lived in the scheme of things. So be brutal if you need to. Be really, really brutal if you need to. Hopefully you don't have to be. But be brutal if you need to and keep your eye on the ball. Keeping your eye on the ball will only mean that actually as you go through this, you're able to have less stress, less anxiety, less worry. And coming out the back of this, you'll find that you'll be in a much, much stronger position as well because you'll have some really strong foundations in place to put you instead for next time. Because guess what? It may not be the coronavirus that comes along ne the next time around, but it will be something. It will definitely be something. You know, back in 2007, 2008, we had a massive financial crash. This is the one that we're facing right now. We might have another one in two years time. We might have another one in five or 10 years time. But one thing that I can guarantee you is there will be a next time. So the work that you do now will put you in good stead for then, whenever then is, and it will give you the foundation that you need to be able to really flourish from a financial point of view and flourish from a, from a personal finance point of view. And again, ask for help. You've got Symptoms Advice Bureau there. They are a free service. If you want more professional help to actually help you with, you know, some tangible suggestions, tangible suggestions, and you can also call on myself as well. And you know where to find me either on Instagram, because people find me on there as well, and there's semi direct messages. So make sure that you do. And I'll be more than happy to uh, offer my services to help you get on the straight and narrow and give you some suggestions that will be workable and actionable. But guys, I hope you've enjoyed that. I know it's not been the normal. I really do appreciate your time. Just in closing this, I do want to plug my event. It is literally this coming weekend. It's a two day digital wealth conference. So on Saturday, we are talking personal finance. We are talking about how to manage money, how to manage money effectively. We're talking about how to tackle debt. We're talking about how to improve your credit score. We've got a FCA, the first, first FCA accredited credit expert in the UK speaking uh, on, on the Saturday. We're going to talk about, you know, a guide to buying your first home. Property market at the moment, despite the COVID turndown, is actually quite buoyant right now. Banks are doing lots and lots of business. And we're also going to be talking about the things that you can do immediately to actually help you build generational wealth. So that's the Saturday. On the Sunday, we're talking more investment. And we're talking about how to invest in the markets. There's going to be a guide to that. How to invest in Bitcoin. So that's a big thing right now, cryptocurrency. We've got an actual expert, a financial advisor, who actually deals with crypto, speaking about that specifically. We're going to talk about how you can invest in property and the different ways you can invest in property. So you've got buy to nets, you've got HMOs, you've got rent for rent. What are the various options you have? We're also going to talk about how you can build a buy to net portfolio using momentum investing. So simply just moving your money around in a tax efficient manner to, to build a property portfolio over time. And then we're going to finish with starting a business and this is something that businesses have been springing up and you know ironically during times like these businesses do spring up in 2000 i think it was 2009 whatsapp was founded whatsapp was founded in 2009 think about whatsapp right now you probably use it every single day to message your friends and speak to family it was sold in 2014 to facebook for 1.9 billion that was started in a recession 
So we're going to be talking about starting a business, which may be on the mind of many people, okay? And we have a celebrity talking about that. We've got Paul C. Brunson. He is a serial entrepreneur. He's been on TV. Um, he's a great, great guy. He's going to be speaking on that specifically. You can buy tickets to the Saturday or to the Sunday. And if you buy tickets, for, which is a weekend pass, um, you get a discount. It's £25 a ticket per day. Um, if you buy a weekend pass, it's £40. And if you if you want to attend, but you have prior commitments, we'll be recording the entire event and making that available to attendees for 30 days afterwards. So if you wanted to attend all of Saturday, but there were a couple of things that you, sessions that you wanted to sit in on, but you had to go off and do something, you'll be able to get the tape for Saturday and review those sessions. So those um, tickets are available on Eventbrite. I will leave a link to book uh, in the book, in the show notes. Uh, the link though is bit.ly, so bit.t. So let me start that again. It's bit.ly forward slash money intelligence. So that's money intelligence, M-O-N-E-Y, T-E-L-L-I-G-E-N-C, Money Intelligence. Until next week, take care.